Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Sheila. And we're taking you through private eyes. On this episode, we are going to examine the relationship between Jeff and Danny as investigators would. We go through Danny's text messages, photos, and witness tips from those who have come forward. You will hear explicit language, and we also discuss issues of coercive control and domestic violence. If you or someone you know has suffered violence, please call 1-800-799-SAFE. We are breaking this episode into two parts and really going into depth into the contents of the phone records. This is part one of two, and the next episode will air next Tuesday, June 21st. We already have the narrative from Kathy Kaysen and Roy Barker. For the morning, Kathy Kaysen is interviewing Jeff. Jeff is feeding her the information that, you know, she wanted more of him than he could give. There were no questions to Jeff about Jeff. It was just letting him tell about Danny. So, you know, it started out, she was watching and cleaning every other week. And she, like, would come over there and hang out to an extent, you know. And uh, I guess it was March the 13th she went out with us for, like, which is the day after my birthday, but that's when everybody could go out. She went out with us. And there for three or four weeks, she wanted to date and stuff. I didn't want to. And she was coming up with every excuse why not this could work and all these things like that. And I kind of gave in and we started dating. I was real leery about like the age difference, but I was like, okay, I'll try it. And since then, you know, we've been, you know, dating and stuff. Yeah, she certainly was asking questions about Danny's drinking habits does she drink often does she drink regularly or just like an occasional drinker does she do that like every weekend she actually never asked jeff if they were fighting that night as sartain did on the scene was she upset about anything it was just about how she was acting as far as drinking before so the narrative is set up that Danny goes out and she's a bit of a wild child, not by any evidence, only by the only person that was alive in that truck. Right. And they never follow up after to verify any of the information with any of the other witnesses, Danny's family, any of her friends, anything of that sort. What we learn later and through our investigation is that We got the text messages from Danny's phone and it painted a whole new picture, one that would have been easily sort out by law enforcement had they looked into it a little further. Which that's very basic in investigations. You do take the person's cell phone. Jeff's should have been taken into possession for evidence and Danny's was. What we found on Danny's was completely different scenario than what Jeff portrayed. Don't you think it's different than what he portrayed? I'd say it's very different. 
the text messages to me presented someone who was projecting when he was interviewed by Kaysen. In the text messages, one of the glaring things that stood out to me was how manipulative the language is. I have a saying, if somebody tells you something, you need to believe it. So if somebody tells me they're violent, I believe it. If somebody says they could kill someone, I believe that. If you tell me something about yourself, I am going to make sure I hear what you say, especially if there's any violence associated with it. You've got a grown man who has betrayed himself as a soldier in the military who is capable of killing with a 20-year-old kid who has no worldly experience through text messages. He is betraying who he is. He's using words who he really is. And we don't actually know what he's referring to when he's saying these things. On 7-31-2014, just two weeks after Danny died, Roy Barker added to his narrative saying, Danielle's phone was downloaded by DPS agent. The phone had videos of Danielle shooting a pink semi-automatic handgun and shooting an automatic rifle. I read text messages and it showed some arguments between Danielle and Jeff. And that was an official document in the police file. Is that customary in a suicide to also go through the phone two weeks later? Like why? I don't know if it's customary because I don't work suicides, but you would think that if you're looking for evidence that it was a suicide, then great, right? You're just trying to bolster or like support that conclusion. But if what you're finding on the phone is that it doesn't support the conclusion, then wouldn't you take a different approach to the case? Well, he is supporting or bolstering his analysis. The only thing written on 731 is that the videos of Danielle with the pink semi-automatic handgun and shooting an automatic rifle. What I find very interesting is he read the text messages and it showed some arguments between Danielle and Jeff. No reference to what they are, just that there were some. I think those sums are pretty significant. Significant how? Like significant in that he is grasping for the support to the suicide conclusion? I think that any investigator that read the text messages that you, myself, and Danielle read would stop and think, wait a minute, their relationship was not what Jeff portrayed. No, it was certainly volatile. And Jeff's are so inflammatory. Jeff uses the words control, kill, and other really triggering words and Danny doesn't in all of the messages that I've read. He is the one who's so needy. He can't live without her. He would kill anybody that she was with. Those are words I would believe. Absolutely. And I'm in support of everything you're saying. My issue with what was documented by the law enforcement 
was what I was questioning. They're documenting what supports a suicide. They should have looked at these text messages the day that all of this happened. They should have already gone through it. They're not that busy. My problem with that that documentation by the officer is that had you read the text messages, had you gone through everything and you're looking at the same things we're looking at, then you would have seen the control issues. You would have seen the mental manipulation, the words kill and and all of the things that you just mentioned. And it wouldn't support the narrative that Jeff gave. It wouldn't support the conclusion of suicide. And it seems to me that he's just grasping at straws. Oh, okay, well, there were some arguments. And obviously he thinks that holding the gun or shooting guns and that there being pictures of it is somehow important to this case. Because someone shoots a gun or owns a gun doesn't at all, it's not related in any way to someone killing themselves. Well, and who bought her the guns? Jeff did. That does not dictate that she got into a truck, shot herself. Right. I, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know why it's relevant. Those didn't even have to be her guns. It could be anyone's guns. The fact that she has a picture with any gun bears no relevance to this case at all whatsoever, in my opinion. I agree with you. I also am interested in the videos that he saw on Danny's phone. He did not describe those because Jeff knows what's on there. We know what's on there. So Danny and Jeff meet at the auto parts store around March of 2014. On May 10th, she sends her roommate a text. This first text string is between Danny and her roommate late evening on May 9th, 2014, leading into May 10th. Jeff just left me. Never mind. I'm sorry, I was asleep. Girl, I'm fucked. What the hell happened last night? Too much to type. Can I get a brief overview? We were talking about going to the bars and stuff. Told him we don't hang out with the same people anymore since we got into. Told him how I offered to let friends sleep on the couch and he flipped shit. We had a big ass fight. He left and I cried. So now I'm reevaluating everything. Why does he care if people sleep on the couch? Does he not realize y'all aren't dating? He told me he had feelings. What scares me is that I got so upset when he left. I'm having to step back and look at everything now. Yeah, you need to do some thinking because he really does care. It sets the narrative, right? It, it actually is setting up how that relationship is. They're not together. It's telling me that if they're not together and he's flipping shit... When they're not together, what is he doing when they are together? Again, back to the control. It's controlling behavior. If he doesn't like what someone's doing and his response to that is flipping shit, again, not sure what that means, so I'm putting it in quotes, but it can't be good. Or is he physically flipping shit? I thought that too. I actually, when you were reading it, was picturing him flipping a table. It sounds to me, and correct me if if I'm wrong here, I could be misinterpreting the way that she's responding to, to how she felt 
where she needs to reevaluate things, take a step back and look at everything. Is it be in response to his actions that made her upset and she's scared? Or is it like, oh shit, I have feelings for him too? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to kind of decipher what it is she's referring to when she says that. But I'm wondering, what is she thinking in this moment? Well, does type back at the end. Yeah, you need to do some thinking because he really does care. I don't know what that means either. It's a weird way of showing it. Right. I can't figure out if Danny knows better and she's realizing that this isn't healthy and maybe she shouldn't be hanging out with him if he has feelings for her or I don't know. She's a 20-year-old kid. She doesn't know what she thinks. That's a good point. That's one thing we need to keep in mind is this is not a seasoned, well-rounded girl. This is a young kid that doesn't have a lot of experience and is just now having it. Right. He is an older guy. I assume she's looking at him thinking he has more experience. I assume she's looking at him thinking he knows how a relationship works, taking the lead from him. She doesn't think anything, in my opinion. That's a really, really good point. Thank you for reminding me the age thing was not factoring into that. When she's free for the first time, she literally just got that apartment with You know, she's on her own for the first time. She's dating several other guys. Is she keeping Jeff as one of those several guys because she's afraid of what if she doesn't keep him? Is it easier just to keep him around? Or he'll flip shit? Or he's paying her to clean his house, we hope, and take care of his kid. Is that a financial component that she's going to lose? This one is is still one of my all-time shockers. So on 6-6-2014, Jeff texts Danny. You do know that I wouldn't tell you to leave. I know that when I get mad, it explodes. There's no stopping it. I've calmed down some because I don't try to kill people anymore. But it's just one thing after another. I didn't mean to mistreat you last night. Wow. That's so powerful. That one makes me really sad. I, again, go back to she's 20 years old. There are so many red flags that she needs to run. No matter how it ended, that one text message, if any female had gotten, they should turn around and walk out the door. So he has an issue with anger. He explodes where he can't stop it. What does that mean? Does he get physical? Does he black out? And he says in here, he doesn't try to kill people anymore. But if you're losing control, could you possibly lose control and again, start wanting to kill people again? Well, and there's no, there's a fine line between we already know that he's abusive. We have public record that he has assaulted in the past. Aggravated assault against a family member. What are the charges? He's flat out telling Danny that he doesn't kill people anymore. I think there's a fine line between those things. Since we started the podcast, people have come forward and sent pictures and given us a lot of information about his background and their personal experience with him. It is 
what he says in this text. He explodes. So I think I believe he does. And we're following people in the community that are posting about their own experience with him. And everybody can see those posts on our page. A lot of people have written, I wish I would have gotten out sooner. And again, he's also telling us. It's not like we're pulling this out of the air. It's his text message. Right. I want to address this. He says, I didn't mean to mistreat you last night. So what does that mean? What did he do to Danny? How did he mistreat her? She's 20 years old. Did he hit her? Did he push her? He's even saying he's mistreating a female. I know that when I get mad, it explodes. That is frightening to me. When someone says mistreat, and especially with having read the way that he speaks and the way that he frames things and the manipulative nature of his text messages, mistreat you to me sounds like he's downplaying what he did physically. But again, there's no way of knowing that. It's just the way that I'm dissecting what I'm looking at. That's a great point. Definitely mistreat is saying it in a lighter sense than probably what happened. I've been trained in statement analysis. And one of the things that we do is look at people's words and look at each single word. The word it doesn't describe Jeff. It doesn't describe Jeff taking ownership of his actions. Basically distancing himself from the action of exploding. It explodes, not I explode, not Jeff explodes. It explodes. What exactly is it? And what makes it, makes it explode? When I read that and every time I listen to it, I think of Dexter and his dark passenger. It's this out of body, like third being or something that it's the dark passenger that takes over once he gets to that point of rage. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's like you don't have to take responsibility because it's not you. The mistreatment, you are right, downplaying. And when we look through his text messages, there's a lot of downplaying. I go back to, she's a 20-year-old female. He is a an adult who's been to wherever and whatever he did in the military. He's using words like kill and explode to a 20-year-old. There is a control component that he is already gaining over her. Not even just that it, the word mistreat is downplaying. It says to me, physical. This is the craziest text message I've ever fucking seen. And look at the date, though. I was going to say, look at the date. So this is early in their relationship. Jeff establishing his control and dominance over Danny was very well done in this one text. When you start looking at the psychology of people Everybody puts their best foot forward when they start dating. So (laughs) two months later, this is what he's putting in writing. 
So he's already done the best foot forward. Well, if you're even assuming that he ever put a, a best foot forward, that's just logical dating experience for most people. But what I see here is, and good point to the psychology of people, I see a cycle of abuse being established. It's the explode and then the apology and then perhaps a gift and then the cycle continues. And if it's starting within the first couple of months of the relationship, then that is, that's extremely dangerous because normally it takes a lot longer for someone to trust to be able to begin that cycle. So what are the warning signs of abuse? Of course, these are generalizations, but they are things to look for and behaviors. First of all, all-consuming jealousy. When a person wants your attention full-time, 24-7, and gets angry and demanding when you spend time with anyone else, you know you're in trouble. Extreme possessiveness is pathological. Of course, the next thing to look for, control. When someone wants to control all aspects of your life, what you do and how you do it, where you go, who you're with, what you like spending time doing, how you dress, basically every aspect of your life. You are a possession not an independent person. The third thing to look for is when someone tries to isolate you from your friends and family, some version of divide and conquer. The abuser in the relationship wants full control, and the only way to accomplish that is to severely limit contact with people who are close to the abused partner. Not only that, Anybody who would give negative feedback about the abuser. If the abuser cannot isolate the person, the abuser will use the tactic of constantly criticize close friends and family to drive a wedge. Treating you with disrespect by blaming, shaming, or putting you down. They will attempt to make you feel unworthy and unloved. And of course, if you grow to believe that you are unworthy and unloved, and if you start to believe that you're unworthy and unloved, the abuser tells you he or she is the only one that is important and the only one that truly loves you. The abuser may resort to many forms of humiliation, including bullying, calling the abuser derogatory names, embarrassing you in front of others, insulting, or acting out in public, blaming you for their bad behavior. The abuser will make you feel responsible for them and their behavior and will make you feel guilty that you didn't do what they wanted you to do. Hmm. The next one is threatening you with harm. Their inability to control the situation may cause them to accelerate their behavior, taking it several notches up from verbal to physical. If they are unable to get satisfaction in controlling you, they may up the ante to threatening you with bodily harm or harming those you care about. 
You look for someone who destroys your personal possessions. The abuser may act out against you by defacing or destroying personal things that are important to you. This is a way of punishing you for not bending to their will, for not doing what they say. The last thing I'm going to bring up is pressuring you to engage in what's important to them at the expense of what's important to you. The abuser may try to enforce lifestyle, friends, certain behavior, robbing you of your opinions and relationships. The abuser lacks interest in anything that's important to you. I would think that any investigator would pull Jeff in and sit him down and ask him about him exploding. Yeah, that's very concerning. And how did he mistreat her? And then any investigator would ask the question, bar none, did you and Danny have an altercation the night she died? Did you mistreat her that night? That's a very logical question to ask based on his own writing. We talk about the investigation and how we see it through private investigators' eyes. This is not about beating up the police or defunding the police. It's actually about training the police and giving them money to train to learn how to do investigations. This investigation is so embarrassing for Cass County. I don't know anybody who would take ownership of this investigation. I believe funding for education to the police regarding domestic violence and regarding relationships would be a great idea. And how to do a homicide. Yeah, I think they all could benefit from a class on coercive control or just red flags alone. Interviewing the last person that saw Danny alive for less than 15 minutes is just absurd, in my opinion. On 6 7 2014, do you want me to work on getting internet tomorrow? It'll be around $40 a month. That's fine. Makes me nervous to leave Jeff alone in our apartment. Why? It'll be fine. I don't know. Danielle, isn't this the day after he sent the text message? Yes, the text message between her and her roommate was on June 7th, the day after he told her he apologized for mistreating her the night before. She then tells her roommate she doesn't want to leave him alone in the apartment. She may not have shared with her roommate what happened. We know from his own words he mistreated her. We don't know how. Danny may be scared of him. I would be scared of him. This next text string is between Danny and her roommate on July 11th, 2014, a week before she passed away. Where are you going? Need vegetables. Okay. Just want someone there when Jeff shows up so he doesn't break in. Tell him to message me and I'll make sure I'm there. I'll let you know when he's on his way. Where does he think you are? He doesn't want to see or talk to me. Why is she afraid of Jeff breaking into their home? 
again, goes back to the violence. And it doesn't sound like it's unfounded. He's already said he could explode. Well, and he already has exploded. He's mistreated her in some form or fashion. True. Why is he even going to the apartment? Exactly. I'm also really bothered by his lack of, I guess, concern with the way Danny's feeling. It just seems like she's not really taking the time to either believe Danny or understand where she's coming from. There's obvious concern there. And it sounds like is kind of brushing it off. Then there's two days later and they're having kinky fuckery and she has bruises from their kinky fuckery. So this text string is between Danny and her roommate on 6-13-2014, which is about a month before she died. I have bruises from our kinky fuckery. <laughs> awesome. He got emotional the other night. About what? Me not believing that he wants me and that he cares so much that he gets jealous over me and that he won't hurt me. Aw, good. We were laying in bed and they like shocked me. I'm glad he cares. He cried. Damn. That's what shocked me. I was like, oh my God, are you crying? Okay, did that bother anybody as much as it bothers me? So she is already buying into the violence being okay. She's already okay with it. What's happened is he's taught her that the reason he gets so angry is because he loves her so much. And this is now being interpreted as passion and love. And it's completely an overhaul on her, men on her mentality. She is now in an abusive relationship. Absolutely makes me want to vomit. Well, and what's so sad about it too is that again, he's a lot older and more experienced. It's not going to take a lot of work for him to put this in to a younger woman who has no real relationship experience and doesn't know what to look for. To us, to analyze this at our age is so different than being found in this situation so young. And it's so sad. It is so sad because she is now learning what's abnormal in a relationship. There's no part of this that's a normal relationship. People are kind to each other in relationship. People don't mistreat one another in a relationship. Healthy relationships consist of trust, respect, honesty, independence, communication, and support. But what's happening here is he's normalizing it for her, and now this is her best example to date. We would like to thank Arbel Kimmick for their professional voiceover work on this episode. You can find their work on Fiverr, YouTube, and Instagram under Arbel Kimmick, A-R-B-E-L-K-I-M-M-I-C-K. Thank you.